It's the final days of six-year no-interest financing at Palo Windows and Doors of Wisconsin. Upgrade that leaky, squeaky patio door from just $84 a month. Set your free consultation now at 855-PALA-WI. Live from the Annex Wealth Management Studios at Historic Radio City, this is the Jeff Wagner Show. The AccuNet Mortgage Talk and Text Line is open now. Give Jeff a call at 855-616-1620. And now, WTMJ's Jeff Wagner. Good afternoon, Wisconsin. Welcome to the show. So glad to have you with us. All right, regardless of who takes credit for it, my initial reactions to the state budget is that um, it it's a really, really good thing for the citizens of the state and the taxpayers of the state. Let us put this in perspective. When Tony Evers originally came out with his budget, it was a massive, massive tax increase. Let's spend money on all sorts of things. Let's spend money in a way that, well... If to call it spending money like drunken sailors would be to insult drunken sailors. The Republicans in the Assembly and the legis and the Assembly and the State Senate rewrote that budget. They pretty much started from scratch. And, and what they did is they produced a budget that is going to lower the tax rate for most individuals. Most individuals in the state of Wisconsin is going to lower it. So, um, 24,000 to 263,000 for individuals, or if you make between 32,000 and 351,000 for married filers, your income tax rate will decrease. Um, all told, uh, this will save taxpayers more than two B as in billion dollars over the two year period. And it's it's got a lot of the policy stuff that Tony Evers wanted to put in the budget and, and use the budget as a way of trying to advance his agenda. That got shot down. It's again, the, the devil is in the details. And over the course of the next you know 24 hours, I'm sure people are going to break it down. But to give you my initial reaction to it, it is a very pro taxpayer budget. The legislators in the state assembly and the state senate think did a very very good job of crafting it and also crafting it in such a way that tony evers could not use his veto power now there's like 50 some vetoes in there but they did a good job of crafting it so that he he couldn't use it to out of whole cloth tie try to create things to advance a particular agenda again the devil is in the details and i'm sure the as more emerges on these vetoes there'll be stuff that can be criticized or praised or whatever but bottom line is the republicans in the state legislature did an excellent job on the budget and credit where credit is due i give the governor credit for signing what is a massive tax increase uh, tax decrease for the citizens of the state of wisconsin and and that's that is a very very good thing. All right, if you follow me on Twitter, it's at Jeff Wagner six twenty. I've got I've got a photograph of the woman in in question that's up there. This is to me, it's one of these interesting stories about the the world today and political correctness and what you can say and what you can't say. Boris Becker is a former great retired tennis player. 
won, won lots of different championships. And now what he is doing is he, he's commentating. And the big tennis tournament that's going on now is, is Wimbledon. And together with the U.S. Open, I would say that, you know, Wimbledon and, and the U.S. Open, you know, are one, two, and you can argue which one is more important as far as big time tennis tournaments. There, Wimbledon is one of the four major tennis tournaments and it, it is going on now. And Becker is one of the commentators. So what, what happens is, um, yesterday, there's there's a tennis player. The guy's name, and you probably never even heard of him. His guy, his name is Martin um, Fusovic. Okay, and and he's playing in the tournament. He goes on to um, he he loses to uh, Novak Djokovic. Uh, you know, so again, try try pronouncing the names. But during the course of of the match, while Becker is offering these comments, they show a picture of. Martone's fiance. She, she's in the stands. She's watching. Her name is Annette, and I'm not even going to try to pronounce the last name. She is from Hungary. She's a uh, kind of a celebrity chef in, in Hungary, and you can see the pictures of her. Like I said, I've got a I've got a link to this up on my Twitter account. Um, she's stunningly. Gorgeous. I mean, there's just, there, and, and, and the, like the, the pictures that you, you see of her, like up on her Instagram account, um, you know, it shows her traveling the world and posed, you know, in, you know, various locations wearing bikinis and stuff like this. She, she's a staggeringly beautiful woman. That, that, that's just the case. So anyhow, they, they put her picture up during the, this Wimbledon broadcast. And what, um, what, Becker says is when they, they say the, the pictures up there, he says, um, okay, um, his broadcast partner says, hey, that's the guy's fiance. Um, her name is Annette, whatever. If you're a tennis player, it's always good to have a partner called Annette. And then Becker responds, they do say they have the most beautiful women in Hungary. I wouldn't know that, but she's certainly very pretty. Okay, so that that's that's what he says. They do say they have the most beautiful women in Hungary, but I wouldn't I wouldn't know that. But she's certainly very pretty. That's what he says. She's very pretty, and, and that that was it. Well, this has created now this huge controversy, where you have quote unquote feminists from all over the world who are offended that Becker would call this woman very pretty. The first group to be offended was something called the Women in Sport and Perception Agency. The charity Women in Sport has worked for decades to change sporting culture, including to end the objectification of women. When two men are comfortable talking about women in this way, never mind on live TV, it shows there is still more to do. We need everyone to understand how this impacts on women and girls, how it makes them feel. Shouldn't we be inspiring the next generation of girls to play sport rather than talking about women what women look like. Okay, they put the picture of this staggeringly attractive woman up on the big screen, and he says, they do say they have the most beautiful women in Hungary. I wouldn't know that, but she's certainly very pretty. And you have all these people that are upset that he called her very pretty. Our number, 855-616-1620. That's the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. All right, it is it is 2021, and I understand that we need to be more careful about some of the things you say. And clearly, you know, you don't want to objectify people in that regard and make them feel uncomfortable. But he says, she's really pretty. 
And my guess is, if you look at the pictures of her, you would agree with his assessment that he is, she is really, really pretty. Um, you could use other terms as well. She's, she's staggeringly beautiful, at least in the different pictures that she has posted of herself. That is my assessment. 855-616-1620. That's the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Can we no longer say, oh, she's very pretty? And I would be particularly interested in feedback from the, the ladies out there. I mean, if, if, are, are you offended when they, they put some woman's picture up there or if somebody would refer to you? And again, we're not talking about in the employment context. We're not talking about, oh, let's give her a job. She's very pretty. It's just, oh, what, what a, what a pretty young lady. Okay. Is that now offensive? Can we no longer say that? anymore. 855-616-1620. That's the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. We discuss in a moment. Welcome back to Jeff Wagner on WTMJ. 855-616-1620. That's the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Jeff, what, women no longer want to be pretty? Well, I... I, I I I don't know. I mean, look, and I understand that that you you can do this in sort of a creepy way and an off-putting way. But in this case, they flash a picture of her up on the giant screen. One guy says, "Hey, that's the guy who's playing tennis. That's his fiance." The other guy says, "She's really pretty." Okay, that's I. And, and the truth is, if you see her pictures, she is really really pretty. Jeff, I'm a woman, and honestly, if she's posting these photos on social media, she obviously wouldn't be offended by somebody calling her pretty. That's pretty much the main purpose of posting photos online is to get attention. If people are honestly offended by that, they're insecure with it themselves. Jeff, can I just say that as a woman, I took no woman, I take no exception about the Becker comment. It was in no way res- disrespectful or embarrassing. Good grief, can no one say anything anymore? Right, see that that's that that is of course the, the point here, I, I understand that you can have, you know, the guys that make like the, the creepy, uncomfortable comments, the wolf whistles as somebody walks past the construction site, um, the, the inappropriate remarks in, in the office. I, I mean, look, I, I understand that that's out there, but it seems to me we've really gone through the looking glass when you have a situation where you put this giant picture of this woman who's the guy's fiance up on the big screen and he says, oh, the commentator's now in trouble for saying she, she's very pretty, when, when I think that is a fair description. Scott in New Berlin. Scott, you're on WTMJ. I think people need to stop being... Hello? Hi, go ahead. Good good afternoon. I I think it's time for people to stop being offended by the the offendable. It's like it's this vicious circle that somebody's offended by someone who's offended. And it just feeds this, this infinite silliness well, I mean, it's it's almost a conversation not worth having. Anybody can say anything they want. Then don't feed it if you don't agree with it. Well, th- right. See, I mean, I guess that's that's the thing that that's out there. It's like, yes, if and look, there are things that people say, and there's behavior that people engage in that's truly piggish and repulsive and deserves to be condemned as sexist or or whatever. It's just where where does that where do you draw the line on that? Um, you know, if you say, oh, that's a really pretty dress, or hey, you you look you know you look really nice in in that outfit, or or wow, you know that that young woman look that woman looks great in that outfit okay you you can't say that anymore now that's and that's kind of what this has come to and like i say if you it's in particular if you look at the the woman's instagram account she's 
she knows that my sense would be that she she's very comfortable with her looks. She knows she's extremely attractive. You know, she's posing. I don't want to say provocative, but she's touring the world with her, you know, fiance who's a tennis player. And, you know, she clearly I mean, I think she understands and appreciates that, that she is attractive. And my guess is that she wasn't offended by somebody saying, boy, you're you're very pretty. Eight, five, five, six, one, six, one, six, twenty. That's the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. As a woman, it's nice to get complaints. I'm not remotely offended. I'm guessing the ones that are offended are ones who, um, huh, okay, I can't say that. <laughs> but, but yeah, it, it's, you know, that, that, that's the type of thing that's out there. Is there real sexism in the world? Of course there is. You know, are, are there people who behave in piggish fashions towards women? Are there men that do that? Yeah, I, of course there is. But it, it's not like Boris Becker's on TV, I don't know, saying, look at her and, you know, and then making some sort of salacious comment. He's just like, boy, they say they have beautiful women in Hungary and she's, I don't know about that, but she's very pretty. Uh, Jeff, I'm sure he would have been criticized if she was said if she said you know he she was a real hottie he was being politically correct stating that she was pretty well um yeah he was also i guess being accurate jeff my wife encourages me to compliment women she says many um, people uh, put in a lot of hard work into look, looking nice and it feels good to get compliments like receiving them myself yeah i i mean i i don't know that's that that's sort of a, a fair thing. Okay, if, if you male or female, you spend a little bit of time on your appearance. Maybe you get yourself a new haircut. Maybe you've got a new suit. You know, maybe you've got a new outfit, male or female. And you know, you you go out with some people, and somebody says to you, "Boy, you you look really good." Or, "Hey, you lost some weight. You look great." Or, "Hey, that that suit makes you look you look very handsome tonight." Or, "You you look very pretty." I mean, can we no longer say those types of things to people? I mean, at some point in time. Don't we need to just kind of recognize that, you know, we are sort of humans and humans like to receive compliments or at least most people, you know, like to receive compliments. Jeff, another example of the world gone mad. Um, yeah, <laughs> I, I think that there is certainly an element of to that. Um, no question about it. So uh, you, you can check this out yourself. The, the controversy about this is just absolutely amazing because as somebody who makes a living, you know, talking about things three hours a day, five days a week, I, it just you, you always wonder what, what you can say and what you, you can't say. And in this particular situation, if Boris Becker can be criticized for what is a, a somewhat lighthearted and I think incredibly innocuous and, by the way, extremely accurate remark, you, you wonder... You wonder if there's any lines anywhere. Um, let's take a quick break. Back with more in just a minute. Welcome back to Jeff Wagner on WTMJ. Well, you have to wonder, is Tony Evers sending a letter of protest to Joe Biden? Is Tony Evers making a phone call to the president saying, Mr. President, what exactly are you doing? I object to this. Or... Is Evers just saying, well, okay, that was then and this was now. In 2019, Tony Evers ordered the withdrawal of about 112 Wisconsin National Guard members who were assisting security at the southwest border. All right, Evers said, so they, they were down on the border trying to help, again, the military and customs service enforce it. Um, Evers said that, uh, nope. He said, I, I don't believe that that's appropriate. The responsibility for keeping borders safe and crime-free belongs to the U.S. Customs and Border Patrol. I want the National Guard people back. And he pulled them back, as was his right to do. 
Well, all right, flash forward. If you haven't heard about this, 125 soldiers from the Wisconsin Army National Guard are going to be waiting for, wait for it, heading to the southern border in the fall as part of a federal mission ordered by President Joe Biden. Soldiers from the 229th Engineer Company out of Prairie du Chien and Richland Center will, wait for it, assist U.S. Customs and Border Protection with non-law enforcement activities for about a year as part of the short-notice federal mobilization. So Evers is calling and bringing back 125 soldiers. Now, Biden is bringing back 125 soldiers. Now, because this is a federal mobilization, Evers can't stop it. I mean, this is something that is Biden has done. Back in 2019, it was something that Walker had done, and Biden didn't like it, and he pulled it back. But here's the big point. They're doing the same thing in 2021 that Evers objected to them doing in 2019. Now, it is correct that the Evers administration doesn't have the authority to reject the deployment. But, hey, you know, they're both Democrats. If Evers felt so strongly in 2019 that this was not the function of the Wisconsin National Guard, that the responsibility in keeping the border safe and crime free belonged to the U.S. Customs and Border Patrol, all right, well, well, where is he? You know, what? why isn't he publicly denouncing what Joe Biden is doing now? I mean, if this is how he felt, and obviously it was in 2019, I'm pulling him back. Why isn't he out there publicly saying, look, I understand I can't stop this because it's a federal mobilization, but it was wrong in 2019. It was wrong in 2021. Okay, what's, so what, what's happened between now and then? Oh, yeah, Joe Biden is a Democrat in the White House who's doing this. And instead of a Republican governor, Scott Walker, or a Republican president, Donald Trump, now it's Joe Biden that's doing it, and it appears to be okay with Tony Evers. Hmm. Think about that. Jeff Wagner on WTMJ. Well, this is very nice of them. Update on a story we talked about a little while ago that I want to revisit. As we all know, crime in the city of Milwaukee and in other urban areas as well, completely and totally out of control. We are in in the city of Milwaukee. They're on pace essentially to have about the same number of homicides as they had last year. And they just we, we they blew the door off of the all time record in homicides last year. So it, it might be up a couple. It might be down a couple. But it, it's essentially on track. Same thing is true when it comes to shootings. Other sorts of crime you've got on average, I think the number is still 25 cars being stolen every day in the streets of Milwaukee. Crime out of control. So what do we do? And, and how do we try to rein that in? Do we crack down on the people that are committing the crimes? Or do we find scapegoats? Which brings me to the story of a Speedway convenience store gas station. You know Speedways. It's located on the corner of South Howell and East Oklahoma Avenue. So it's on the south side, kind of by Humboldt Park. It, it's in it's in Bayview. Earlier, okay, this, the Common Council, Speedway wanted to be open 24 hours. The Common Council earlier this year denied their application to be open 24 hours. Why? Because they argued that it was a nuisance property, that the business was a nuisance property. Okay, why was it a, why was it a nuisance property? Well, from December 22nd 
through January 2nd, police responded to six reported thefts. The police designated the gas station as a nuisance property on January 8th. By February 11th, officers have been called to the store 14 times in 2021. So in the first five or six weeks of this year, police had been called 14 times because the store was getting robbed on a regular basis. It got so bad. And this is one of the most stunning aspects of the story. January 2nd, okay? Their investigation revealed that a suspect walked into the gas station and demanded money while tapping her waist, implying that she had a weapon. All right. Um, This happened at 538 a.m. The clerk told her, I don't have any money to give you. Well, what do you mean you don't have any money to give you? The clerk says, we were just robbed four hours ago. <laughs> it's true. So 12.16 a.m., the place is stuck up at gunpoint. Four or five hours later, somebody else comes in to rob it at gunpoint, and, and they're, they're sent away because there's no more money. They're being robbed so much. They're being robbed so much that, that they, they don't even have the money anymore. You know, they hadn't replenished the supply of money from the first armed robbery. So into this wades the, the common council who says, well, this is this is terrible. We, we can't allow this to to be open because it, it's a nuisance property. Well, ultimately, the common council has now decided to give this business, quote unquote, one more chance to be open 24 hours a day because they have installed at a cost of $100,000, a protective glass shield, and they have hired a late-night security team. So um, the older woman from the area says, well, I, I almost see this as, as kind of a, another trial, but if, if things get worse, we, we might oppose a license renewal. If we see a negative trend again, we may have to reconsider things. All right, our number is 855-616-1620. That is the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. I swear, this stuff makes my head explode. This is not a bad business, okay? This is a business that is being robbed on a regular basis. This is a business that is being victimized on a regular basis. And the Milwaukee Common Council says, okay, our response is we're going to shut you down because you're getting held up so much. Now they say we're going to give you one more chance after you've invested $100,000 and you've agreed to hire late-night security. But what what makes something a nuisance? See, I understand with, with bars. If you've got a problem with bars where there's, you know, the, the security is lousy and you're constantly allowing underage drinking to go on and there's drug use that's going on in the bar and things like that. I get it. I, I, I understand. To me, that's a nuisance. And you go to the bar and you say, hey, look, you got to clean up your act. Or alternatively, we're going to close you down. But in this case, this, this is a business that is trying to sell whatever stuff you sell at a convenience store, and they're trying to sell gasoline, and they're being held up on a regular basis. And the Common Council, instead of saying, all right, this is terrible. You know, here's what we're going to do. We're going to increase the police presence, and we're going to catch these people who are coming in to rob your store, and we're going to have them prosecuted. We're going to pressure the DA's office to bring charges, and we're going to pressure, once these people are convicted, we're going to pressure the judges to send these people to jail. The response of the Common Council is, well, you know, we we think that this is a a disproportionate use of police resources because you keep getting held up so much that the cops have to keep coming back. 855-616-1620. 
is the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. I think it's amazing that this business decided to invest $100,000 in protective glass and hire late-night security because, candidly, I mean, I, I, the, the payback on that is going to be a long time. You, you gotta, you gotta sell a lot of Snickers bars and gasoline, you know, to make up for what that cost is going to be. But even with those improvements, you've got the common council saying, okay, well, this is going to be a trial basis. Is it the business's fault or is it the fault of the criminals in the community? And shouldn't we be concentrating on getting the criminals off the street? Because here's what's going to happen. All right, if they are now deterred from robbing the speedway at 2 o'clock in the morning because it's got protective glass, they're just going to find somebody else to rob at 2 in the morning, aren't they? Shouldn't we be more concerned about getting the criminals off the street than criticizing the business that is being robbed? 855-616-1620, we discuss. Back to Take Your Calls. Here's WTMJ's Jeff Wagner. I I love it when you connect the dots. Matter of fact, here's one of the texts. Jeff, is this the same older woman that sent the letter to the car company? We have bottom feeders for representatives. What? No, this is actually a different older woman. This is Marina Dmitrievic. But what the texter is referring to is a couple weeks ago, we told you the story. There, okay, 25 cars stolen a day off the streets of Milwaukee. That That's... That's just staggering. That That's a day. That's a day. And car thieves are almost never prosecuted. It's just, I mean, it, it really is like the Fast and Furious or Grand Theft Auto or whatever on the streets of Milwaukee. And you remember a couple of weeks ago, you had two aldermen who decided that instead of being concerned about the car thefts and the people that were stealing the cars and the fact that a lot of these are being stolen by juveniles and they're being used in other crimes or they're being driven at 95 miles an hour and then wrecked. And a lot of times what happens is the people, uh, you've got some 16-year-old driving the stolen car who then drives down the wrong way and crashes head on into somebody else and kills all sorts of people. Instead of being concerned with, with that, and let's deal with the criminals, they, they send letters to the car companies, what Kia and Hyundai, saying, well, we think your cars are too easy to steal. And and we we think that they're getting you, you want to talk about like no sense of self awareness. We think your cars are too easy to steal and we don't want think you want to get the reputation that you're getting here in Milwaukee and so you need to do all this stuff to fix them. And I'm thinking, boy, if I'm if I'm the representative from Hyundai or Kia and I get this letter, I'm thinking I've got some crazy older person in Milwaukee, Wisconsin, where the cars are stolen off the streets at record pace and, and you're telling me I, I need to do more to make it harder for somebody to commit a felony and steal my cars, maybe you should worry about uh, uh, prosecuting the people that are stealing the cars, just saying. But yeah, this is the same sort of sentiment. It's like, okay, well, we've got a Speedway store that in the first six weeks of this year was um, was robbed. Well, these police had to respond to the store 14 times in the first six weeks, including, and again, I love this story, January 2nd, they get robbed at 1230 in the morning, armed robbery. Then another person comes in at five o'clock in the morning to arm rob them again, except they have to leave because there's no more money because the place has already been robbed. And you've got older women and older men in the city of Milwaukee who are going, my God, you know, this, you know, we'll give them one more chance to stay open. Why don't you? 
Why don't you do your job? Why don't you concentrate on the crime problem? And instead of worrying about, gee, there's too many police calls, maybe we should encourage the police to be proactive. Maybe the police should stake out the store. Maybe, you know, the police should be watching this. And when they see somebody come in and try to hold it up, they, they, they pounce on them and prosecute them. Um, Jeff, crime in certain areas of Milwaukee, car theft and reckless joyriding in particular, is never going to change if I idealistic, myopic politicians pressure DAs and judges to not punish um, the pool of habitual offenders. Um, yeah, there, there's a lot of it. Jeff, this is just this is just so crazy. Oh, by the way, this morning on the morning show, uh, Tom Barrett doubled down and said it's the car manufacturer's fault. I, I didn't hear it, but I could easily see Tom Barrett saying something like that. Jeff, another convenience store near the Franklin Oak Creek border got so tired of being robbed and having glass shattered that they decided to close from 11 p.m. to 5 a.m. Good for them. Their employees don't need to put up with that stuff. See, this this is the effect of this. See, this, this is what ends up happening because businesses make decisions. They locate in areas where, first of all, they can make money. That's the end of the day. They, they, you know, bottom line is you want to make money. But secondly, you want your employees to be safe. And if, if you're in a crime-ridden area, what's one of the first things we hear? Oh, well, there, there's, you know, there, there's no stores. There's no places for people to go to buy gasoline. There's no convenience stores. You can't get this stuff. Well, okay, you know, how do you expect a business to invest in a community if, First of all, you're going to be the victim of crimes on a regular basis. And secondly, when you're the victim of crime, you know, you're, it's treated like it's your fault. I mean, I think it's amazing, amazing that, um, the, the city, you know, I think it's amazing that this community, this business decided to invest all this money. I mean, I, I, I you, you got to wonder again, like I was saying earlier, what's the payback period? If you're spending a hundred thousand dollars on protective glass, it, it, you're you're not going to get that money back anytime soon. It's going to you know take a problem, Jeff. This is the same lines as the shootings and murders that happened in Chicago over the past holiday weekend. The police confiscated over 240 illegal guns, and of course the political left says we need more gun control. No legal owners of the guns aren't doing the ones for the shooting. Trying to shut down a legitimate business because they get robbed so much that they run out of money, um, that they had to send them home disappointed. You know that's. The Jeff, the incompetence of what passes for leadership in Milwaukee is astonishing. Um, well, I think there's an element uh, that w- there's an element to that. Jeff, it's more sad that businesses are being punished because criminals are out of control. Um, do you think the next move will be to close Capitol Drive because of the speeding and running red lights? No. I, I don't think that, but I think, you know, what you're going to see is more and more people are just going to avoid more and more segments of the city because they're unsafe. Um, Jeff, please have mercy on the criminals. You're being too tough on them. Don't you understand that it's Speedway's fault, just like it's Kia and Hyundai's fault that the cars are being stolen? Jeff, preach it. Wish the Common Council had some degree of common sense. Um Yes, Jeff, now you know why the areas of the city have a lack of legitimate businesses. Why would anyone open um, under this type of backward thinking? Again, I, like I was saying at the start of this show, at the start of this segment, I, I understand that you can have nuisance properties. And if we were talking about a bar that was allowing drug dealing and underage drinking 
and, you know, wasn't able to control what was going on at its premises. And you had people getting liquored up and getting into fights and the cops had to keep coming. I, I understand, you know, that you can have nuisance properties. But in the case of the Speedway, they're, they're just staying open. <laughs> that That's all they're doing. They're staying open. They are target for criminals. And yet they're the ones that are put on like double secret probation. All right. Well, we're going to give you one more chance. But if people keep robbing you, we're going to close you down only in Milwaukee. One of our texters makes the point, Jeff, Quick Trip won't open stores in Milwaukee just for this reason. Um, I, I, I'm, I'm stand willing to be corrected. I don't think there are any Quick Trip stores in the city of Milwaukee. There's a handful in Milwaukee County, but um, I that 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 would make sense to me. I mean, this you know, when it comes to crime and businesses, it's not a chicken and the egg thing. I mean, it's what like what comes first? No, I mean, it's you know, if if you are a business person deciding where to invest your money, it takes a special sort of resolve and risk to put it in a high crime area. You know, and if you let's say let's say the speedway ended up closing down because they're being robbed so much. All right, you know, who's going to want to go back in there? Because, you know, you, you start the next business and you know the chances are that you're going to get robbed just as much. So it's not a chicken and the egg thing. It's a very valid concern. Hey, I want to double back on something that I mentioned in the program yesterday. We had one segment to talk about it. Um, and I just, I continue to be awed by the reaction that I received. The, um, couple days ago, the, I told a story about there, there was this flight that was scheduled from Charlotte, North Carolina to, um, it was going to go to Nassau in the Bahamas, full of vacationers. You had 30 teenagers from Boston, from Boston on, on this trip. The flight had originally been delayed because of a mechanical problem. And then what happened is they changed planes. The kids get on the plane and collectively, they're just obnoxious punks. They're screaming at people. They're yelling at people. They're refusing to wear their masks. And so what happens is after being told many times, you've got to wear your mask, et cetera, they refuse. So they're, 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 they cancel the flight and they get these kids off. Everybody stays overnight at the airport. So you have vouchers that are given to most of the adults. The kids aren't old enough to use the hotel vouchers, so they spend the night at the airport. But here's the thing. American Airlines lets the kids back on that flight the next day. And my point of this was, how crazy is this? I mean, you know, you, you've disrupted people's vacations. You've caused thousands and thousands, maybe tens of thousands of dollars of added loss to American Airlines. As far as I'm concerned, American Airlines should have just told all these kids, hey, I'm sorry, you're on your own. Call mom and dad. You know, we're not putting you on a flight. So that was the point. That's what we were discussing. What struck me was the first handful of texts that I received said essentially this. We applaud the kids for standing up to the Nazi regime that says you got to wear masks, or we applaud the kids for fighting back on communism. And I just, I, I, I was talking about this with some people last night, and everybody was saying, "Are you? Did you really get those texts?" I said, "Yeah, I really got these texts that you have people that are are looking at a, a group of." like 30 punk high school kids that decide they weren't making a statement about mask rules. They were just making a statement saying, we're going to be obnoxious and see how much we can push the envelope. And that there's some people out there who would applaud this sort of behavior. Now, my, my guess is anybody who would applaud this sort of behavior would, at least in theory, 
in reality, if they were on that plane trying to get to their vacation and found that um, it had been delayed a day because of the behavior of these this, this band of punks, they might have a different perspective. But here's the bottom line. Look, regardless of how you feel about mask rules on planes, and reasonable people can disagree, it's the rule, all right? And so if you're going to fly... Well, what you have to better do is prepare to obey the rule or else there should be consequences. Seriously. I mean, it's not communism. It's not, oh, these are Nazi rules. It's a bunch of out of control punk kids. What don't some people understand? Live from the Annex Wealth Management Studios at Historic Radio City, this is the Jeff Wagner Show. And now, WTMJ's Jeff Wagner. Good afternoon, Wisconsin. Welcome back to the show. What a what a great time to be a Wisconsin sports fan. When when you just think about it, I was just listening to our, our sports broadcast during Mike's News and, and and you've got the first place Milwaukee Brewers. Let's just say that again. The first place Milwaukee Brewers big four-game series against Cincinnati, who are their closest pursuers. Um, that, that's going to be going on starting uh, tonight. And then, of course, you've got, oh, yeah, that's little thing, the Bucks playing for the NBA championship. Um, you'll be able to hear game two tonight as it comes from Phoenix. And then Sunday, you know, you're going to end up having uh, game three. So I mean, this is just a huge, huge sports weekend. I mean, if you are a Wisconsin sports fan, in particular a Milwaukee sports fan, you, you've got the first-place Brewers, big series with the Cincinnati. Cincinnati Reds, you've got the Bucks, and and by the way, did we mention that I think it's what three weeks from two weeks, I believe, from uh, from next Tuesday, you've got the Packers training camp that opens up, and so when that happens, you're going to have again the huge discussions about is Aaron Rodgers going to show up or not show up. It's just just a great time. All these different questions that are there, and interestingly enough, if this was a normal year, I, I think people would be talking about the Packers and having fallen just short of getting to the Super Bowl last year, the discussion would be, well, you know, are, are they going to be able to get over the hump this year? Have they done enough to be better than Tampa Bay? All those questions. But nobody's talking about the future of the team other than will Aaron Rodgers show up or not. Like I say, it is just a fascinating time to be a Wisconsin sports fan. And, you know, it, it's all good because here's, here's the bottom line. Regardless of what happens with Aaron Rodgers, and I'm not naive enough to think that, you know, the Packers have a better chance of getting the Super Bowl without him than with him. But, the, you know, lost in a lot of this discussion is the fact that they're still a darn good team. And here you got the first-place Brewers. you got the Bucks playing for a championship. You've got the Packers who ended up, you know, one game and arguably just a couple plays away from being in the Super Bowl. Good time to be a Wisconsin sports fan. I want to revisit something we talked about when it first happened, and I know that there were some of you who, who did not believe me when, when I told you about this. And actually, I was kind of questioning about the story itself, but it is, in fact, a, a reality. I have in my hands a story from the Los Angeles Times this morning from their entertainment and arts section. The headline, Out of Prison, Bill Cosby is already planning a comeback Sure to court controversy. Our number, 855-616-1620. That is the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. If I were, if I were Bill Cosby, well, I wouldn't be Bill Cosby, or I were advising Bill Cosby, my response to him would be, look, you, you've, you've won the legal lottery. 
And I don't want to say his conviction was reversed on a technicality because it, it raised there were constitutional issues that were raised. But th- this wasn't a finding that, oh, my gosh, you know, you weren't guilty. It was a finding that, you know, the, w- the prosecution screwed up in proving your guilt and we're not going to give him another kick at the cat. So it's not a vindication. So Bill Cosby is now 83 years old. He, he's he's out of jail. He has the opportunity to live however much time the good Lord gives him. I don't think there's a money issue. But Bill Cosby is preparing a comeback tour. 855-616-1620. That's the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. All right, we, we've had a little bit of time to let this sink in. Like I say, I, I know that they talked about this when in the immediate aftermath, within like 24 hours of the decision. But now it's starting to be a reality. All right, you have any interest in seeing Bill Cosby? Um, here's the story. Bill Cosby is, in a word, exuberant, and he wants to get back to performing and more. This is what his publicist says. In his physical appearance, he's exuberant, Huh? which is kind of interesting because he did not look exuberant when I saw him in that courtroom a couple years ago. In his mental state, he's exuberant. In his feelings and humor, he's exuberant. The comedian is colorful and powerful, more powerful than he has ev- we've ever seen. Cosby, 83, is with his family at the moment, the publicist says. But plans are in the work to get the Cosby Show star back on stage in the U.S., Canada, and London. Uh, the publicist says Cosby's next act will weave the disgraced comic's vintage storytelling in with observations from his life today and will be inclusive of human rights and civil rights as he works for <clears throat> criminal justice reform and prison reform based on his own experiences. Um, his representative says Cosby will give you a formula without the preservatives. I don't know what that means. His team... Um, still has to work out the details about how audiences, promoters, and media insurrectionists who fuel, who fuel the hate will be screened. Uh, but they're not very concerned about hecklers. All right, 855-616-1620. That's the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. I, I admit, this, just like a couple of the other stories that we've been talking about on today's program, makes my head just want to I- explode. Bill Cosby, at the age of 83, is considering going back out on the road to do comedy, comedy, for God's sake, and to tell his story. 855-616-1620, that's the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Would you pay money to see Bill Cosby? Can you imagine anybody paying money to see Bill Cosby? And my answer to both of those questions would be no. 855-616-1620, we discuss. You're listening to Jeff Wagner on WTMJ. 855-616-1620, which is the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. If you're just tuning in, um, it, it is a reality. Bill Cosby's publicist uh, gives a lengthy interview with the L.A. Times this morning saying, hey, we're, we're going back out on the road. We're preparing the show. It's going to be um, comedy. It's going to be um, his observations, vintage storytelling with observations from his life today and inclusive of human rights and civil rights as he <clears throat> works for criminal justice reform and prison reform based on his own experience. Who in their right mind would pay a ticket to see for a ticket to see Bill Cosby? Mike in Milwaukee. Mike, you're on WTMJ. Hi, Mike. Hi. One of the things I wanted to point hi there. One of the things I wanted to point out was, if you remember when he was on trial, especially when he was found guilty, 
it looked like the man was going to die. Yep. They said he was blind. He was walking with a cane. He had people helping him. The day he walked out of that courthouse when they found him, when they set him free, he walked by himself, wasn't blind, no cane. What a joke. And anybody that pays anything to go see that man needs a lobotomy. <laughs> well, thanks. It, it's like Robin Williams, <clears throat> late Robin Williams, always used to say that cocaine was God's way of telling you that you have too much money. I, I don't disagree with that. But I would argue perhaps that, you know, if you paying money to see Bill Cosby at this point in time in his career in your life, that could also be God's way of telling you that you have too much money. But, Mike, you raise a real interesting point. When I was, was following that trial and the sentence and stuff, you, you you thought, at least by all appearances, you thought that this was a guy that was going to, that had, you know, one foot in the grave and another foot on a banana peel, that, that you know, so you do wonder, all right, if he's now somehow miraculously well enough to go on a multi-city comedy uh, tour, you know, you, you do kind of wonder, was it all, was it all an act um, in the first place, you know, to try to get sympathy from the jury and the judge or whatever, um, or or is is the medicine is the medical care you get in uh, Pennsylvania prisons just a lot better than we would have thought? Is it the fountain of youth? Eight five five six one six one six twenty. Jeff, I just had a discussion with a friend about this very topic this morning. I said no one will go. He said people have short memories and will pack smaller venues of three to five thousand seats. I still say no way. I I cannot imagine. I and that, again I just I, I I'm always surprised by stuff. I just can't imagine three thousand people paying twenty five to fifty dollars a piece to go see convicted, formerly convicted, now acquitted, um, you know, rapist Bill Cosby. And, and that, that's and again, it, it's it's not like there was this complete and total vindication. That that's the other thing. And I look, I, I appreciate the system worked. His conviction was thrown out because they found that the prosecution you know violated his Fifth Amendment you know rights. I I, I understand that. I've explained it. I don't necessarily even disagree with it. I think the prosecutor took a huge risk and prob- and, and the court says he made a huge error in introducing testimony. But it, it's not like this event did not happen. That That's the underlying thing. It's not like this is a guy who spent 20 years in prison and now DNA has come forward and showed that he was wrongfully convicted. That That's not what this was. The law is the law. He was ordered released. But that doesn't mean that he didn't do it. Uh, let's talk to Holly in Kenosha. Hi, Holly. Hi, Holly. Hi, Jeff. Thank you. Hi. Thank you so much for taking my call, as always. I would not go to see Bill Cosby. I think that we of a certain generation, and I'm going to be 67 on July 11th, and our late parents, we all remember Happy birthday. You've got, you've got birth- you got Happy birthday, Holly. You've got it coming up in just thank a couple you, days. Thank you, Dal. Thank you. Uh, thank you. Uh, he was a wonderful comedian. He's a wonderful entertainer. But after this happened, I think his legacy, his reputation has been tarnished. A hundred women, Jeff, cannot be all wrong, you know. Uh, well, well, he he certainly well, wasn't. He certainly, in his real life, wasn't America's dad. You know, wh- whether this stuff was consensual or non-consensual or whatever, yeah. the the image of the, this this family guy and invested in the community right. that was not the life yeah. that he lived in real life. But 
but we didn't know that because we were all right. from the era that these things did, just did not come out. Nowadays, we did what well, we well, nowadays we, we didn't have the internet. We didn't have you know uh, all these things that you can't hide anything anymore. Uh, right. The actresses used to lie about their ages. They can't do that anymore. Right. But uh, and I think, unfortunately for him. His day has passed. He, that doesn't mean that he's dead yet. God bless him. Mate. You know, I hope he lives another few years. He can do other things. Well, I mean, it doesn't have to mean it's over, but not not the tour performance in front of an audience. No, thanks for calling. Well, I mean, he, I, I, again, I don't, I don't think there's a shortage of money. You know, he, he's in his mansion in Pennsylvania. He can go hang out on a beach. He can, I mean, he can write a book. I guess I don't know who's going to buy the book, but I mean, he can do it. Jeff, I will see him. Um, I'll see Cause in a second. Sorry to disagree. Well, don't be sorry to disagree, but I, I just don't. And I'm sure that there's some some people out there that will. But I mean, I, I don't know. Some people are saying I'm only going to go see him if OJ. Simpson is the opening act. Yeah, that, that's that's kind of the thing. Maybe, maybe you can pair yourself with OJ, and you can go make the "Hey, we're still back, uh, we'll still be back" tour. Um, Jeff, um, Bill Cosby should tour all the prisons in the country and tell his story about his life. It would be the perfect venue for him. Well, see, part of the thing is he. he maintains that he did nothing wrong and that's been his position throughout this entire thing um let's see jeff um it is an absolute disgrace and a slap in the face to all of his victims for him to go back on tour jeff i didn't think he was funny before i knew he was a predator well you know the the truth is i mean i i grew up i mean i can remember the tv show um i spy which was where Bill Cosby was with Robert Culp, and they were he, Culp was a tennis pro, and Bill Cosby was like his manager or something, but they were really spies. And I mean, I can remember, you know, the, the, the Saturday morning cartoons, the Fat Albert thing, and the, the Cosby Show. And it, it's if you if you weren't you know really paying attention then, or you weren't alive then, it, it's impossible to understate what a big deal the Cosby Show was. I mean, the Cosby Show always in the, the top couple in the ratings and and it got all this just up, appropriately it got all this positive attention because here you had this network show that portrayed you know bill cosby played a a, a black doctor and it you know he was dr huxtable and right that was the name and and he portrayed it you know in a, a very very positive light and it, it, it was great i mean bill cosby at least for all intents and purposes you know w- was was a role model now we find out that the the role model well, the, the, there were feet of clay, I think, would be the case. Jeff, um, I'd go to see Cosby. He's probably got some great content. Well, uh, no, I don't think so. Jeff, I grew up watching Cosby when I was young, but there was no way, there is no way that I would pay to go see him now. Jeff, there's no way I would spend my hard-earned money to see him. Um, and if you saw what I saw, I'm not sure he could deliver a full hour of comedy. Well, again, I, I wonder... I used to see that a lot in another life when I was, you know, chasing drug dealers and stuff. It was always amazing. One of the things I always found is that people facing sentencing routinely found God. And, and you know, sometimes, sometimes I'm sure it was legitimate, but most times it was a conversion of, of convenience. Uh, all of a sudden, you know, it's, you know, it, I get, maybe it's easier to find God when you're looking at 25 years in a, in a federal pen and you're trying to convince the judge that you're really a changed person and he shouldn't get to 25 years in the federal pen. The, the other thing was, again, it's these health issues that, you know, never, never really stop people from doing what they were doing on the outside. But once, 
once it was all geared towards trying to get sympathy from a jury or from a judge who's imposing sentence. And it's amazing how these health uh, situations uh, rear, rear their ugly head. Jeff, I would absolutely not pay, nor would I hear Cosby speak, even if it was free. He should just quietly stay at home out of the public eye. Yeah, there's a lot to that. Jeff, I'm almost 50. I grew up watching Fat Albert and the Cosby sitcom. He wasn't found not guilty, just released on a technicality. His legacy is done as an entertainer. I would never pay to see him perform, just like I would never pay to see O.J. play football. Um, Jeff, I wouldn't pay a nickel to see him. Uh, Jeff, the 90s called and they want Cosby back. Tickets will be one hundred dollars plus, not twenty-five to fifty bucks. Come on, man! People are going to go. Um, Jeff, if you were you're you were an attorney, I actually still am an attorney. Can't the victims place a gag order on him? If not, somewhere down the line, will he slip up and say something to get him back self back in jail? I hope. Well, that's always the issue. As far as putting a gag order on him, no. I mean, I he, he's free to say what he wants. Um, I guess. Theoretically, if he goes out in public and slanders or libels somebody, you know, you could bring an action for him. But my my guess is that won't be the, the tone of this. I just, I mean, Bill Cosby won the legal lottery. He won the legal lottery. Why at this stage in your life? I mean, to me, it is just the height of arrogance that you would decide, okay, having won the legal lottery, having now been told that I'm not going to spend the rest of my life in, in prison, now I want to subject myself to this by trying to go out on the road and, what, convince people that I was wrongfully accused? No, I mean, sometimes it, it's best just to stay at home, listen to your old comedy tapes, eat your jello, and move on. You're listening to Jeff Wagner on WTMJ. There's no question the the long knives are out to get U.S. Senator Ron Johnson. You know, we've we've talked about this before. Um, Ron Johnson, right now the U.S. Senate is split, 50 Republicans, 50 Democrats. Since the vice president is a Democrat, that that gives the Senate, you know, if all the Democrats were to stay united, that would give, you know, Joe Biden an opportunity to push various elements of his agenda. The problem is there's no wiggle room if you lose one Democrat. And there's there's a real split in the Democratic Party right now between Democrats who are more moderate, more conservative on either fiscal or social issues, and the, the loud voices on the far left. And so there, there is this tension that, that's there because there, there's a number of Democrats in the U.S. Senate and in the U.S. House. The Democrats only have, you know, a, a handful of, of extra seats in the House. So th- there's always this tension. There's really not like a working majority. This isn't when, you know, Barack, like when Barack Obama first came into office and you had 60 uh, Democrats in the U.S. Senate. It, it's, it's very, very tough. So Ron Johnson, in these upcoming elections, Ron Johnson has a target on his back because he is, I believe, the only Republican senator running for re-election, if he runs for re-election, who was in a state that Joe Biden carried. All right. So and plus, Wisconsin is always a purple state. There, there's always these elections are always very close. And so and Ron Johnson is no stranger to to controversy. Um, he he courts controversy, I, I think, in some respects. Now, I've said this before on the radio. I don't understand some of the fights that he picks, but but that's 
he he, he picks him. I don't don't understand why he decided to take some of the positions that he took on on the vaccines. I don't understand why he decided to take some of the positions he took on the insurrection or riot or whatever you want to call it at the Capitol on January 6th, but but he did. But so he's a magnet for this. And as a result, you've got people all over the national media, local media, local politicians, national politicians who are scrutinizing things he does and says, all with the idea of trying to get sort of negative headlines, which brings me to the story today. Now, the, the story is breaking today because CNN ran a piece on it yesterday or maybe two days ago, although this happened a month ago which is kind of interesting because this this happened in early June, but it's only making the news now. Ron Johnson was apparently giving a a presentation. He was in Wauwatosa speaking to the Republican women of greater Wisconsin. It's a luncheon. So he's there, you know, making his remarks. He's one of the guests. And um, he he starts talking about climate change. And so what he, he says, and I don't think this was in response to a question. I think it was part of his prepared remarks is he said, I don't know about you guys, but I think climate change is, as Lord Moncton said, And then he says, bull, and then without actually speaking the the second half of the expletive, but mouthing it. Okay, so you you get the idea as to sort of what he said. Um, And he's referring, Lord Moncton is a conservative British climate change denier. Um, And then then Senator Johnson goes on to say, uh, by the way, I I agree, it, it, it is. What are we doing here? Well, we're all killing ourselves. It's a self-inflicted wound. And that is now prompted that this this entire blow up. Oh, here's Ron Johnson. He's ignoring science. He's one of these crazy climate change deniers. And this fits in with all the other sort of things. Now, once CNN decides to run this story from uh, comments that he made uh, a month ago, um, you know, his his response is he says, look, I. I've been really consistent with this. I absolutely do not believe in the science of man-made climate change. I don't think it's proven by any stretch of the imagination. He said, I'm not a climate change denier, but I'm also not a climate change alarmist. He says, climate is not static. It's always changed and always will change. I do not share Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez's view that the world is going to end in 12 years if we don't address climate change, or President Biden saying the greatest threat to U.S. security is climate change. I consider those to be extreme positions, to say the least. Okay, our number, 855-616-1620. That is the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. All right, Ron Johnson, and again, it's kind of, it's a little bit muddled, I would say, but his his basic position is, is, look, I... I don't deny climate change necessarily, but I don't think that the world is going to end in 12 years if we don't address it. I disagree with the president when he says that this is the greatest threat to U.S. security, the greatest threat to U.S. security. Our number, 855-616-1620. That's the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. All right. Does this, does this make Ron Johnson a, a climate change denier? Or is it a reasonable position to say, well, okay, the, the climate, you know, climate changes and uh, it's back and forth, and um, I, I don't think this is that great a threat. 855-616-1620, that is the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. For me, 
I don't think there's any way there. There are. This is how I've always felt about climate change. I there there are more people on the planet than ever before. So that strain that puts more of a stress on natural resources, and and therefore, I mean, I I think it's tough to argue that if you have more people, that that doesn't have an impact on on the environment. In addition, you have more countries that are becoming industrialized. Look at what's going on in China. Look at what's going on in in India. And and yes, I mean, I I think that you know that there are stresses that by again the industrialization that you're seeing, particularly in other parts of the world, I I think that you know there, there probably are strains that are on the environment. Now, does this mean that the world is going to end in twelve years? Well, that's a whole different story. 855-616-1620. That's the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. What do you think of Ron Johnson's latest remarks? We discuss in a moment. This is Jeff Wagner on WTMJ. 855-616-1620. That's the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. You see, my feeling about climate change or global warning warming has always been i think you know i don't think you can look at the numbers and say at least in a, in a short-term period the earth has been getting warmer um the, but to me that makes sense there's more people you have again countries like india and china that are becoming more industrialized and therefore you've got you know more stress that's being put on the environment so i, I think that's the case i i think at least in a short term i guess to me the issue is Okay, so what? What? What is? How do we know that there's going to be a long-term effect? And what does that mean? And do you believe that the world as we know it is going to end in 12 years or things like that? Or is this something that's going to be, you know, gradual? And and how much of a response do you take right now? The, the, and I think those are all sorts of fair issues. Ron Johnson kind of wades into this by, and again, this is CNN with a month-old story. So obviously somebody had this tape and decided to release it now, you know, saying that, that climate change is is BS. 855-616-1620. Steve in Brookfield. Oh, Steve, you're on WTMJ. Uh, Steve. Yeah. Okay, so I'm, sorry, I'm, I'm sorry, Steve. You were on another line. Let's talk to uh, Dustin. Dustin, you're on WTMJ. Hello. Hey, how are you doing? Good. What do you think? Um, so to me, I think that, first of all, that uh, it's a misrepresentation when Ron Johnson says that AOC thinks the world is going to end in 12 years. I think that's alarmist. Um, what I think AOC is implying is that if we don't act uh, within 12 years, the damage that's being done to our environment is going to be irreversible. Um, you know, to me, it, it, I compare it to like if you started a fire in your kitchen and your house burned down, you wouldn't be surprised. So if we're constantly adding more and more, you know, carbon emissions into our planet, it shouldn't come as a surprise that the world's going to heat up, that there's going to be holes in the ozone mm-hmm. that's going to do major damage in the long term. Do you think that if we don't use and his phrase was the world is going to end, do you think if we don't have major, I mean, I'm talking about major changes, the renewable energy, getting rid of the fossil fuels, all that sort of stuff. Do you think, what do you think the future is going to look like, if not 12 years from now, 20 years from now, or 30 years from now? Um, Yeah, I mean, short term, I think we're already seeing some of the effects. See, the prevalence of natural disasters is a lot higher than it has been. Um, But I think in the short to mid-range amount of time, you know, within my generation or my kids' generation, if I have kids one day, um, I do feel like it's going to result, you know, 
increase um, levels of the ocean waters. It's going to mm-hmm. be wiping off a lot of, um, you know, the coastlines of a lot of countries, a lot of continents. Mm-hmm. Uh, but we're going to see even more and more disasters happening even more frequently with hurricanes, with, you know, tsunamis and typhoons and, and everything that that's going to affect millions, if not billions of people. Uh, Dustin, thanks for calling. Well, and, and, and again, see, I, I, to, to me, that's the... That's the that is the question. I mean, somebody sent me a text, and I have to do the math. It says we're adding about one billion humans every twelve years. It makes sense to me that if you add, as you have more and more people on on the earth, that that puts more and more strain on natural resources and things of of the like. So, I mean, I I I don't dispute the idea that more and more people, and like I was saying earlier, more and more industrialization, that that's that that creates ozone levels and things of the like. I mean, I guess to me, the interesting, the more interesting question is, what does that mean moving forward? To your point, does it mean in, in 12 years that the, the damage we've done to the planet is irreversible? Um, or, I mean, we, we had we had glaciers at, at one point in time. I mean, you know, climate is a fluid sort of thing. 855-616-1620. I wouldn't say necessarily that, that climate change is, is BS, I'd say to me the idea is okay what what does it mean how severe is it and what steps are are we willing to take I mean are people willing to give up their cars are celebrities willing to stop flying on on airplanes are we willing to say in Wisconsin you um you know you, you're not going to be able to raise your thermostat above 60 degrees in the winter I mean what what are the different limits that are out there are we willing to say hey in coastal areas uh, just, you know, no more new building. Or right now, if you, if you look at one of the great migrations in the United States, you see that people are moving to coastal areas. People want to live in warm climates. People want to, um, you know, live, live by the water. And so, right, that makes you more susceptible to hurricanes. Now, Dustin talked about hurricanes. And I mean, a couple of years ago, you know, we, there were like no hurricanes. You know, it was, or very, very few hurricanes, you know, that were hitting Florida. And, you know, this year, like I say la- earlier this week, you had the you know earliest hurricane you know in in the season. So, I, does anybody know? I guess that's part of the question. Let's talk to Mike and Cudahy. Hi, Mike. You're on WTMJ. Hey, Jeff. How's it going? Thanks for taking my call. Thanks for calling. Uh, I think Senator. Yes, sir. I think Senator Ron Johnson is spot on. Um, the, the thing that struck me was the indignation of the left in having Ron even even give a, a hint of objecting to the premise yeah. you're not allowed to object to the premise you can't say no you have to bend the knee accept the premise and move on and take the real life consequences of all the bands of all the electric cars of all the windmills etc etc et right the, the, prem- the, the premise the, right the, right the premise being that if if you don't Actually, if we don't make major changes in what we're doing now, the world, if not ending in 12 years, we will have caused irrevocable damage to the world. That That is the premise that you can't challenge. And, and that's, what, that's what they dislike in Senator Johnson is the fact that he's willing to stand up and, and have a debate and say, perhaps you're wrong. The science isn't proven and you can't have world, real world consequences that hurt real people over a premise that's unproven. Right. That's just that's just unbelievable. And that's what really got to admit, is that he's got the voice and the bully pulpit to say to them, this is unproven science. Well, also, I mean, thanks. Also, 
if you view this as a global problem, like it's no secret of the fact that that's why I keep saying you look at the increasing population in certain parts of the world, which puts a strain on resources, and you add the industrialization. You add, you look at what's going on in China and what's going on in India. And I guess to me, one of the questions I have is, all right, if 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 we do things in the United States, which inconvenience people significantly. Uh, devastate economic sectors. Um, what 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 do we gain if you've got China that's continuing to you know bu- you know build coal fire plants or whatever, or India that's continuing to do this, or other parts of the world that are willing to do this? So I guess the question becomes. If, if there's really going to be a global solution, how do you enforce a global solution? And I think that's a fair question. Now, look, I again, I think Ron Johnson courts controversy um, and 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 maybe maybe articulating that, you know, climate change is is B.S. Maybe that's not as I don't know, refined. I, I, I'm sure he was just trying to be clever is, is what and what, what he was trying to be clever. And of course, what what Senator Johnson needs to realize is that politically he's got a target on his back and anything he says is going to be interpreted in the worst possible way. If you would articulate the idea that, hey, I mean, I, I'm not a climate change denier, but I think the discussion needs to be what what is the major impact of this and, you know, what are reasonable steps that we can take as long as you've got what's going on in China and India and wherever happening. That's, I, I think, maybe more sophisticated way of explaining it. But of course, people aren't into nuance anymore. And this is the latest instance of, you know, Ron Johnson being out there. And you've got now Joe Biden, who's weighing weighing in on this. And, you know, Biden's, you know, taking him on and, uh, you know, challenging him. Biden was um, in McHenry Colony College in Crystal Lake yesterday. And, you know, and he's you know, he's saying, hey, Illinois experienced 49 extreme weather events. And, you know, you've got a guy in Wisconsin um, who says there's no global warming, no such thing. Well, he didn't really say that there was no such thing. And, yes, Illinois might have had 49 weather events, but I don't know that this is the only time in history that Illinois has had 49 weather-related events. And I don't know it's fair that you can say that it's all due to climate change. Climate is, in fact, fluid. But Ron Johnson finds himself back in controversy again. But on the other hand, I, this is this is the amazing thing uh, about Senator Johnson. And, and I do give him credit for this. I don't think he cares. I mean, he's Ron Johnson is is love him, hate him, vote for him, not vote for him. I mean, I think he's you know, he's going to be true to his own convictions. And if that means being called a climate change denier, well, I think he's willing to, to do that. I think personally, Senator Johnson would have been better off and would be better off if he wants to go down this area to talk about the Green New Deal. And talk about what some of the really, in my opinion, wacky proposals are that are out there about the Green New Deal and really call attention to that and say, okay, this is what it's going to cost. This is what it's going to cost in jobs. This is what it's going to cost in money out of Americans' pockets. And, you know, what guarantees do we have that this is going to make any difference at all? See, that's where I think you go after it. You say, let's look at this Green New Deal and let's break down what it really does. You you give the details and then, you know, then you are less susceptible to kind of like these headline attacks. All right, back with more in just a couple of minutes. This is Jeff Wagner. Live from the Annex Wealth Management Studios at Historic Radio City, this is the Jeff Wagner Show. And now, WTMJ's Jeff Wagner. 
So, Melissa, do you think people are just kind of killing time to late o'clock tonight, waiting for the Bucks game? I would 100% agree with that. Yeah, no. <laughs> I mean, when you know, when you put it like that, yeah, I think people are, um, you know, they're working, but they're thinking in the back of their head about the game. Well, it, it is amazing. That's one of the effects that, that sports have because. You see this mostly with the Packers because, you know, Wisconsin, you know, just obsesses around the Green Bay Packers, and that's outstanding. But it's one of those deals where, okay, the Packers are playing in the NFC Championship game, and the game is going to be at 3 o'clock on a Sunday. Well, once you know, it's almost like for the entire week. I'm not saying that people aren't productive, but it's for the entire week you get the impression that people are, like, looking at their calendars going, okay, when 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 is it going to be kickoff time? <laughs> and I and I, I think the, the Bucks are a lot like that, I think, especially. Especially around here, people are just okay. Let, let's get the let's get to game two. Let's get to eight o'clock and see what happens. Yeah, I think it's kind of like um, you know when Amazon has a couple of Prime days and <laughs> you have people at work that are you know online trying to get the best deals. It's sort it's sort of like that. Well, it, it isn't because we were. I, I mean, we. I, I I was trying to arrange some some things. We you know we we do stuff with folks, which mm-hmm. is a real reflection of the the sociability of my wife, and it's great. And they're and we're like looking for different dates. And I remember I was talking to somebody saying, "Hey, are you available on this particular date?" Because we're looking at getting together. And they're like, "Well, I don't know that that the Bucks are going to be playing. That's, that's going to be right. Date. That's a possible <laughs> playoff date. You know, maybe we should find another date." And I think, "Oh, okay. Well, that's that's interesting." But I I do th- and that, that's that's what's so cool about it. I mean, I think it. It, it doesn't matter what your politics are. It just everybody kind of comes together. And- you know, yeah, not to cut you off there, but it was it's interesting. I was talking to Mike Spaulding in the newsroom, and he was saying, you know, even his wife, you know, that might not be interested in basketball all the time. She, you know, she was like, oh, I'm looking on my app on my on my phone watching it. So p- even people that aren't. Uh, you know, super sportsy are are into it because there is an energy and it's a great thing for the city. Oh, oh well, I mean, t- Tuesday night, my, my wife is a, I would describe her as a casual sports yes. fan. She's a sports fan because I'm a sports fan. We we go to Brewers games. She enjoys it. You know, we in the past we would regularly go to Marquette basketball games, and she, mm-hmm. and she would enjoy the game and stuff. And but it it's not like she lives or dies with <laughs> did the team yeah. win or not. But I mean, on, on Tuesday night, you know, we we sat on the couch in the den and we yes. we we watched the game until it was kind of apparent that they they weren't going to make the comeback. And then you know, I, I think, but it, it just it depressed her. It bummed her out. And I said. I said, look, it's, you know, it'll be okay. They've got another game. That's right. We'll see how it goes. Well, you can hear the game here on WTMJ, so stay tuned. All right, let us switch gears. All right, she smoked dope. Was the penalty too great? Here's the story, if you haven't heard. The the Olympics, and and, and you want to talk about a cluster bumble. It, it's it's the, the Olympics. The Tokyo Olympics are scheduled to start... Um, at the end of this month, I believe off the top of my head, I think they're scheduled to start on the uh, 23rd, right, July, July 23rd. They're scheduled to end on August 8th. Now, the, they're in Tokyo. The Olympics have been put off for a year because of the pandemic. These are the 2020 Olympic Games. Sponsors have paid a fortune. All right, so, I mean, you want to talk about being snake bit. I mean, last year, the, the Olympics were not canceled. They were delayed because of the, the pandemic. So they're scheduled to happen a year later. Um, and so what what's happened is because large chunks of the population in Japan are not vaccinated and Japan does not have a handle on the spread of COVID like we do in the United States, um, one of the, they, they've already made these rules. First of all, no international travelers. So if you're an international traveler, if you if your kid 
was competing in the Olympics and you wanted to go watch him, you're not allowed to do that. Right? At least up until this week, the rule was that you know if you were if you lived in Japan you could still go see the games now they they had limits so like the venues were going to be like at 50% capacity and things like that well um they they announced yesterday that in Tokyo um the games are going to be held under a covid-19 state of emergency which means that um, organizers are not going to allow spectators at, at many of at many of the games, at many of the venues for many of the sports. So they're, they're going to be the Olympics, after being delayed for a year, are going to be held in, in front of like empty venues. And a lot of these sponsors that had invested big time money with you know, like being around the venues, well, now they're looking at pulling out. I mean, for example, if you're if you're a big international company and you were planning to have a giant I don't know, tent and advertising display or whatever right outside a particular venue. But now you're being told, okay, no international travelers and no, no locals. Okay. It's like, all right. Well, why, why bother? We can have the big venue that's there, but if there's nobody that's going to come by, you know, this is what we paid hundreds of millions of dollars for. I, I don't, I don't think so. So, um, it, it's, it's a mess. So you've got all these problems. And on top of that, you now have some issues with the U.S. Olympic team. So here, here's the deal. The, the fastest American woman, fastest sprinter, is a woman named Shakari Richardson. She's 21 years old. Um, at the U.S. Olympic trials last month, she came in first in the um, 100-meter dash, the 100-meter sprint. She's very, very fast. Um, after So under normal circumstances, she would then... She'd go to the Olympic and she'd compete on the Olympic team. She'd, she'd be in the 100 meter sprint. And in addition, they have these relay races, you know, the, the four by 100 meters. Under normal stance circumstances, she would be on that team as well. All right. Well, after, after she runs the race, you know, they, they do the, the drug testing like they do. And her test comes back positive for marijuana. Now, to her credit, when confronted with this, she didn't deny that she had it or anything. She said, yeah, I, I, I did it. I was in Oregon training, and marijuana is legal in Oregon, and I was having some emotional issues because my mother-in-law had passed away or my mother had passed away, something like that. And so um, my bio, her biological mother died, and she said, yeah, I, I smoked pot. I, I, knew, I knew I wasn't supposed to do it. I knew this was a banned substance. I take responsibility, but I, I, I smoked it. So what happens is because of this positive drug test, she is she's suspended from international competition for 30 days. And the way this would work, if you look at the timing, is that she would not be eligible to compete in the 100-meter dash, the, the event that she won, she, because that's going to be held within 30 days of her suspension. So she couldn't compete in that. The relay race, though, the 4-by-100-meter relay race, that is going to be held after her 30-day suspension would expire, if you can follow me on this. And so the U.S. team, they could have put her on the team, 
they could have put her on the team for the relay event because that's in the discretion of, of the coaches. They could say, okay, even though she's disqualified from the main race, we could put her on the relay thing because that's going to be held after the 30 days. The U.S. Olympic Committee made the decision, no, that they weren't going to put her on the team. And instead, what they were going to do is they were going to go, they'll take the the next six that qualified, and those are going to be the ones that will be eligible. So she's not going to go to the Olympics. Our number is 855-616-1620. That is the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. You know, we were talking in the last segment about Representative Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez from New York. She says that banning marijuana reflects systematic racism and says that athletic officials should reverse the suspension. Joe Biden says rules are rules. 855-616-1620. That's the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. She smoked dope. She knew it was against the rules. She's acknowledged that she smoked dope. All right. Should she have been given the opportunity to go and compete on the relay team? She wouldn't have been eligible for, like, the underlying event. But she could have participated in the relay team should they have let her do it. 855-616-1620. That's the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. My take is, regardless of whether you feel that, that pot should be legal or that pot shouldn't be outlawed or that pot's not a performance-enhancing drug or whatever, whatever you feel, the rules are you test positive for pot, you're disqualified. And she tested positive for pot. And she's been disqualified. And I think the decision to leave her off the Olympic team was probably the right one. 855-616-1620. We discuss next. Jeff Wagner on WTMJ. 855-616-1620. John on the north side. John, good afternoon. Hi, Jeff. Good afternoon. What do you think? Um, I, I think that the rules, like you say, the rules are the rules. And if they're going to stick to that, then they need to stick to it for everyone, no matter how much money you have, uh, no matter who you're, you know. Mm-hmm. <laughs> no matter how good you are. She, she, no matter, she's a, no, she's a no great runner. Yeah. Yeah, but but um, but but you, I mean I mean I, I'm sorry about her, you know, about her her her, her parents, but I, I just feel that um, <laughs> that uh, you know she was responsible for herself. She know what the rules are, and she knew. Uh, what was going to happen if they found out that she took that, you know, that, that, the drugs. So that, yeah. that shouldn't have been done. Yeah. Now, th- thanks for calling. I, look, and I, I understand. I'm getting, for example, I'm getting a text, Jeff. You know, marijuana is not a performance enhancing drug. Um, and, and I understand that. And I guess I look at this and I say, okay, if, if you want to have a conversation about whether or not, you know, it should be banned or not. That, that, that's fine. But you have that conversation six months before the contest. You have that conversation a, a year before the contest, wh- whatever. You don't say, okay, this is clearly a banned substance. You make it clear. And this isn't even a situation. I give this woman credit because she's not, she's not doing this thing about, hey, you know, I, I I had no idea that I wasn't allowed to do this, or I just um, I I took this allergy pill and I didn't know that it contained you know something that was in there. She's not saying that. She said, "Yeah, I smoked dope." Said I was you know I was stressed out. My biological mother had died. It was legal where I was, and, and I I knew about this. It was a bad decision I make, and I give her credit for owning up to that. But 
you know, once you know what the rules are and you decide that you're you're going to violate them anyways, I, I don't think you can come back and say, well, it's a stupid rule. Now, it may very well be a stupid rule. I mean, I don't, I don't claim to know the pharmacology of this stuff, but the rule is the rule. Jeff, I can see both sides of the argument here. Personally, I believe she should be held off the team altogether. However, since she owned up to it and was honest, I could have understood if they put her on the relay team. Jeff, I don't understand why she did it knowing it was banned. As someone who has a commercial driver's license, a CDL, my license would be revoked if pot was found in my system, regardless if I smoked it where I was legal. Well, that's, you know, that's the thing. Jeff, who cares what she does in her personal life as long as it's not giving her an unfair advantage? Well, again, I, I understand that. That that raises that that raises the issue about, you know, should should this be a banned substance? And to me, that is perhaps a compelling argument to make, again, before the game start, to, to go to the International Olympic Committee and say, you know, that this rule that we have against, you know, people, you know, taking marijuana, it's dumb. It's it doesn't make any sense anymore. It's something that is a throwback to the prohibition era. Don't you realize that marijuana is legal in all these different states? If it's not performance enhancing, why should we care about it? Those are all compelling arguments. I, I get it. But um, it, it's. It's the rules. Um, you know, Jeff, it's too bad. Um, she's worked so hard to get to this point, but rules uh, of conduct must be enforced. And then the, the point says, you know, <laughs> AOC playing the race card. Um, yeah, well, that, that's the other. I mean, that that's the other thing. This this rule applies to black sprinters. It applies to Hispanic sprinters. It applies to white sprinters. I, the, the playing the race card it does Candidly, it trivializes, in my opinion, the legitimacy of the debate about this. Um, Jeff, racism has nothing to do with it. I actually applaud the Olympic Committee by not allowing her to go and following the, the ground rules. I, yeah, I, I do too. See, they could have said, all right, we're going to let you compete in the, you know, in the relay. But at the same time, how is that fair to the rest of the folks? I mean, the, the, the rest of the people who competed at that particular competition, the qualifying competition, who played by the rules, didn't have marijuana in their system, and the process is, okay, we, we take the next six highest finishers. I, I think that that's the more fair way to do it. This is a tough result, and you feel bad for somebody at the age of 21 that, you know, who knows if they're going to have another shot at the Olympics. Maybe she's young enough to do it. This is also a weird sort of Olympic Games. You know, who knows two weeks from now whether or not they actually happen. But I, I agree with the basic premise that, you know, rules are rules, and when you knowingly violate them, these are the chances that you take. Back for more, here's WTMJ's Jeff Wagner. Man, how the mighty have fallen. There, I, I don't know if you remember the name Michael Avenetti, uh, but Michael Avenetti, if you're thinking, why do I know that name? Why do I know that name? Let, let me take you back a few years. Um, Donald Trump is the president of the United States. And Trump is being besieged by 
various claims and lawsuits involving women that he allegedly had, and I'm putting this in air quotes, relationships with. And you will remember Stormy Daniels. Stormy Daniels was, oh gosh, I forget what her real name was, but she was one of the, the porn star, exotic dancer, whatever, who claims to have had a, a one night stand with, you know, President Trump. And then there was all sorts of lawsuits that were filed. Michael Avenatti was the guy, the lawyer, the celebrity lawyer who was all over TV representing Stormy Daniels. He, he's that guy. Well, their relationship, what a surprise, kind of ended ended badly and all sorts of recriminations. And it, it got worse for Michael Avenatti because he was he was indicted um, by, by a federal grand jury. And, and trust me, absent a serious illness for you or a family member, probably the, the last piece of news that you want to see is your name at the top of, of a federal indictment, you know, United States of America versus whatever. Well, anyhow, he was indicted on three counts of extortion, transmission of interstate communications with intent to extort, extort and wire fraud. And the case grew out of his threats to expose purported corruption at Nike, you know, in their elite basketball program, unless Nike paid him to conduct an internal investigation. So and and he argued, hey, I was just I was just being a lawyer. I, I was I was saying that unless you, you know, settle this and pay me a whole bunch of money and get to the bottom of this, um, I'm going to go public with this. Well, in February of 2020, a, a jury hearing the trial decided, well, it wasn't just him being a lawyer. It was essentially, you know, him trying to extort money from Nike. In any event, he was sentenced today, 30 months in prison, 30 months in prison. Um, so that's two and a half years um, in, in federal prison. And again, I, I just, I, I remember when, when you see these quote unquote celebrity lawyers, you know, the ones who, you know, pop up on TV representing the, the client of the moment. Well, some of them have a long shelf life. There, there's some of them who've been around for a while, but for a lot of them, it, it just, it never ends well. And, and I don't know whether it's hubris, whether they start, you know, believing their own publicity and think that they're bigger than the law and they can get away with anything. Um, you know, Michael Cohn, the, the fixer for for Donald Trump, I say fixer in quotation marks. He, he's he's the same way. You know, now 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 he's in prison. It's all these people that I don't just just think they're smarter than the system, and almost inevitably, you can look at these kind of high profile quote unquote celebrity lawyers, and you can just say, you know, there, there's going to be a fall, and that fall from grace is going to be huge. And uh, the guy who represented Stormy Daniels, well, you know, now he's going to be in the federal pen for two and a half years. Okay, USA Today announcing yesterday that if you want to access content on their website, now previously it has been free. Up until Oh, about three months ago, they began, uh, they began, uh, playing around with putting some stuff behind a paywall, but most of the stuff was free. They've now announced that almost all the stuff is going to be behind a paywall. If you want to access stuff on USA Today starting, I think, right away, here's the deal. Um, you, if you only want digital stuff, 
All right, they've got an entry price of like four ninety nine. Let's call it five bucks for the first couple months, and then it rises to ten bucks a month. That's digital only. If you want digital only without ads, it starts at eight bucks and then goes up to thirteen bucks. And if you want in home delivery that gives digital access, um, it starts at ten bucks, but it quickly goes up to thirty bucks. So that's like three hundred sixty dollars a year for the the actual delivery of the hard copy of the newspaper. I don't know that there's too many people that are going to do that for USA Today to get it at their homes. But, you know, what USA Today is doing is following the following the model that lots of other papers use. If you want to have access to the Madison paper, there, there's a fee. If you want to have access to the local newspaper, the Journal Sentinel, there, there's, there's a fee. If you want to have access to the New York Times or the LA Times or the Washington Post or the Wall Street Journal, there is a fee. Now, I know that because I pay those fees. I mean, given, you know, what I do, I have, um, you know, I have digital subscriptions to all these different newspapers because for me, it's important to, to know what's going on. And these various web newspaper websites are one of the things, one of the places, there's many, but these are some of the places that I routinely go looking for story ideas that I can discuss with you as, as part of, of my job. If I'm not doing my job and when there's a time that, you know, I'm, I'm not on the radio anymore, I'm going to drop the vast majority of those. So I do it. The reason I have them is because I need them for business. Um, I, I'm not saying I'm going to drop them all, but I'm, I'm definitely going to drop a lot of them. As far as USA Today, which is, you know, a great quick read if you're, I don't know, if you're, you know, uh, on, on the road and you're in a hotel and you're looking for something to read quickly while you're having your breakfast, it, it's it's a great read. Um, I don't think I'm going to be spending $10 a month to uh, to have digital access to USA Today. Matter of fact, forget think. I, I know I'm not going to do it, but this is clearly the wave of the future. And saying that it's going to cost you 360 bucks to get the hard copy delivered versus... 10 bucks a month to have digital access. I just, I don't see anybody, again, outside of hotels or whatever, I don't, who probably get a deal on this. I don't, I don't see people continuing to subscribe to the hard copies of the newspaper. Our number, 855-616-1620. That's the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. All right. In the next 10 years, hard copies of newspapers are, are, are they still going to be around? Or are almost all newspapers now going to be accessed digitally? 855-616-1620. That's the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. And I will tell you, if you're into USA Today for whatever reason, and that's fine, I, I can see spending 10 bucks a month maybe to access it if you're really into it. But $360 to have it delivered to your house, I just don't. I don't see how it works. 855-616-1620. That's the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. And I guess I feel the same way about, say, the Journal Sentinel. Not wishing the mill, but say the Journal Sentinel, say the Madison paper. You know, I think the wave of the future is going to be very few newspapers that are actually still printed and delivered. What do you think? We discuss. Jeff Wagner on WTMJ. I guess there's really two issues. The first issue is the USA Today that's always been free digitally now announcing that they're going behind a paywall and that essentially it's going to be 10 bucks a month if you want just digital only. I, I just don't see a lot of the USA Today readers paying $10 a month. What's more, if you want 
if you want to have a newspaper delivered, it's going to be about 360 bucks a year. I, I really don't see like the I don't see people getting that delivered to their homes and stuff. I mean, maybe if they cut enough deals, you can get the USA Today delivered to hotels or things like that. Maybe that can keep it going. But I, you know, where what is the future of print newspapers? And I I. I just don't see it. And I think the more you put these paywalls in, the more you're going to see a consolidation. Like I was saying earlier, I have a lot of subscriptions, you know, and they're, they're not necessarily cheap, but there's something that I think I need to do while I'm working. You know, once, once I stop working, I'm, I'm, I'm most of them are, are certainly gone. Jeff, do you think that hard copy newspapers forced reporters to be more precise on their reporting? With all digital, uh, the amount of fake news and quick reports could plague us more. Well, I, I don't. I, I think what's really going on is I, I think you just, you have fewer experienced reporters and you have fewer editors and less screening. That's I, I see a lot of different stories that are out there that I'm like, man, you know, if if there was an editor. Um, like that would be looking at the story like you'd have editors 20 years ago. And I don't mean to sound like that old guy saying back in the day, but there, there's stuff that you see that comes through there that would have never gotten past editing or, or somebody would have asked some of these various questions. And you, you don't see that now at, at all. Jeff, I can't believe newspapers are still around now. I've been hearing for years they will disappear, but they hang in there, even in these small towns. But I'm with you. I can't see how this keeps going. Jeff, now I think print newspapers are needed to carry the inserts for the stores. Free shopper papers don't always get that done. A lot of times the newspaper is thin, but the store inserts make them look bigger. Well, I mean, I guess that, see, that raises the question about how, how much longer the, the, those, those expensive printed newspaper inserts are going to be around. I mean, it, I, look, here, here's the deal. When I, I, I'm not above using coupons. But uh, when did I just do that? Oh, I, I went, I needed to buy a case of uh, copy paper the other day. And, and so what you do is I, I was going to the store that I was going to. I, I go on their website and, you know, on their website, you know, you just you just log in. They say, OK, these are the specials. And boom, you know, there's there's the copy paper I'm getting ready to buy. And it's thirteen dollars less than the store. So when I go up to the counter, I've got the case of copy paper and it's, you know, and they say they ring it up for forty nine. I say, well, here, I've got this coupon. It's the digital coupon here. It's right here on my phone. They say, oh, we'll honor that. And I pay thirty two or whatever it was. I mean, I just I wonder maybe not today or tomorrow, but, you know, how, how many people really still pour through the Sunday paper or the Wednesday paper, you know, looking for coupons to clip as opposed to just doing the stuff uh, digitally, um, and which is a which is a question. Jeff, newspapers. Who reads newspapers? We have Facebook and Twitter and Instagram. My kids aren't unfortunately even going to know what a newspaper is. Jeff, I think headline writers killed papers by making the story salacious and polarizing. I see. I, I, I actually. I mean, I, I disagree with that. I think, you know, there has been a liberal bias in the in print journalism, and I, I don't. I think it's impossible to deny that. But the problems with newspapers are, are much beyond that. It, it's it's beyond that. It's just the economics of it doesn't make any sense anymore. It costs a fortune to physically produce an object and then deliver that object to people's homes, you know, every 24 hours. Plus, we live in a 24-7 society. People want to know what they want to know when they want to know it. All right, I, I've, if, if I'm out and about and 
I, I'm not near the radio. So let, let's say I'm somewhere and I'm, the, the, I know the Brewers are playing and I'm curious as to where, what the Brewer score is. All I do is I take out my phone and I say, Hey, you know, I, I, I always hesitate to, to say that name because then when I say on the radio, this is what happens. People who have their phones open, you'll hear it and, and you get it. But yeah, I say, you know, hey, so and so, give me the score of the Brewers game. And then it takes about 10 seconds. Oh, the Brewers are leading Cincinnati five to one in the bottom of the fourth inning. You get that information right away. And look, I'm an old dog and I've learned that new trick. I can only imagine how it is with people who are 20 or 30 years younger than me. The, the you want the information, but you're not going to wait um to once a day when the paper gets delivered now i again i'm i enjoy sitting down at breakfast with the wall street journal and i'm sitting there in a meeting and i'm drinking my coffee and i'm kind of scanning through this thing and, and i like it but that's just something that i grew up with lots of people know and i think you know the, these hard copies of the paper i i think Maybe, you know, maybe the New York Times will survive. Maybe the Washington Post will survive. The Wall Street Journal. Maybe some of these national publications. But I, but I think, you know, locally, it's just not going to make any economic sense. They're going to force more people to digital. And candidly, I, I'm not sure I understand the economics. I'm not sure they can charge enough money that people are willing to pay that are going to be allowing them to continue, you know, producing the content. It, it's a challenge to this industry, and it's been a challenge for the last 10 or 15 years. How they overcome it, I don't know. But the USA Today now saying, hey, you've got to pay for our content, my guess is people don't. My guess is people are going to decide the USA Today isn't the New York Times. It's not the Wall Street Journal. It's not my local paper. I think they're going to take a huge hit when it comes to the digital circulation. But time could tell. Maybe I'm going to be wrong, but I don't think so. All right. Um, this is kind of exciting. Game two, Bucks versus Phoenix, is tonight. You can hear it here on WTMJ. They are in Phoenix. But... John McCure with Wisconsin's Afternoon News. And for the first hour, he's joined by my teammate, Gene Miller. They are down in the Deer District. And John's going to be broadcasting his entire show from down in that area. When we come back, we're going to find out what he has on his mind. How cool is that? This is Jeff Wagner, WTMJ.